Hello, my name is Miller Pike. I'm a producer and creator located in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and you're once again joining me on AP Studio Files. AP Studio Files. If you're joining us for the first time, please check out our previous seasons. And if you're feeling generous, please give to our Patreon. As we enter season four, I want to take a look at our past. Little tiny history lesson on AP Studio Files and our sister series, Apartment Party. In 2018, I was going through a major life shift. I had been working in theater, though my background was also in music, art, film, and performance. I wasn't seeing spaces that were incorporating all of the above, and more importantly, I wasn't seeing a conscious community surrounding the cross-pollination of these communities. I'd always thrown house parties and I loved to host. So when an opportunity arose to host two artists on their return to Brooklyn tour, I jumped at the chance. It was a simple evening at the end of summer, about 20 guests seated on the ground and it felt like a massive success. My heart was so full and thus apartment party was born. From there, I continued to host friends and friends of friends until I started taking submissions for artists. When COVID-19 hit in 2020, I stopped throwing parties and tried to brainstorm ways to stay connected to a community that was suffering from the pandemic. And the interview series now presented as AP Studio Files came into focus, a way to still make space for artists to keep up with their work and stay inspired myself. Since January, 2021, we have interviewed 19 artists regarding their craft, living in New York, and the struggles that come with staying true to their work. In summer 2021, I began to throw the parties again in a limited capacity after vaccines became more widely available. And it has been such a blessing to reconnect with this community, including collaborating with other organizations such as Empire State Music and Arts Festival, who allowed us to host an evening for their festival in summer 2022 and just last week in fall 2023. And an upcoming collaboration with I Don't Want to See That BK. We've also expanded into other spaces such as Farm to People and our recent home, Between Space in Bushwick. Thank you so much for always joining us, being a part of this community, and give us a follow at AP Studio BK on Instagram and TikTok for more updates. Our next apartment party is November 19th at Between Space. Kamara Porter is a collector and artist manager who we've invited into the studio to discuss the creative industry from the business perspective. His collection started at a young age and his art appreciation is centered around creating space for artists to be seen on the New York market who might not otherwise. He started Gotham Arts News, which is an online art news forum speaking to upcoming work, problems within the art world, and artists to keep an eye on. He hopes Gotham can eventually go hard copy. So welcome into the studio. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, honestly. <laughs> this is um, a little bit of a, t a tiny bit of a departure from our normal guest and I love that um, because we're looking at someone who is creative, but also looks at a lot of creativity from an outside perspective. Um, so could you tell, introduce yourself and um, tell our audience a little bit more about you in your own words? Yeah, of course. Um, my name is Kamara Porter. I am a native Manhattanite. I've lived here my entire life. Um, I 
started very much within the arts early on in life. So I went to school for performing arts, and then after going to school for performing arts, I ended up actually noticing that I liked vocal because I went for vocal singing um, in high school and in college. Um, but on departure of college, I ended up noticing that I really had a keen eye for fine art. Um, so I started to work at the Museum of the City of New York as an educator, helping young children and adults also understand more about the environment of the arts and also New York as a whole and how these two places can, I guess, bridge that gap between. So um, after working at the museum, or I should say during working at the museum, I ended up starting to collect art. Um, more in the realm of fine art because I already collected things prior mm -hmm. and through collecting things prior I didn't really understand what I was collecting I saw something I liked it I purchased it um, but as I started to get older and this was around the time of 18 19 years old um, I really started to collect more of art prints in addition works that I found accessible for me to collect at that point and then years later, that all changed into me <laughs> opening up a company of news that is called Gotham Art News. According to their website about section, Gotham Arts News is an educational retail platform focused on being the vessel for voices within arts through interviews and a curated shop. This website is serving those who have not been heard or are looking to gain insight into art world practices. Interviews are hosted in all niches of the art market, including art making, curating, and gallery direction. They state, we curate collections of artwork directly from the artist's studio to help collectors around the world gain accessibility. We believe digital presence, Web3, is the physical in current times. While we will exhibit art within physical spaces, we aim to assist emerging artists gain an entry to the current market. You're going for hard publication, correct? Yeah, definitely. I love it because I feel like so much stuff has gone online. I mean, obviously we've gone, I feel like there's been, there's been waves of um, transferring completely online and, um, and now almost kind of like a resurgence of print work, which is really exciting, really exciting. Um, I want to take it back to something you said kind of more at the beginning is, um, noticing that your role within creativity was more rooted in helping other people right. see and explore creativity. Um, could you speak a little bit to what you enjoy about showing people art? Yeah. Um, something that I really can appreciate about showing people other people's art <laughs> um, is the fact of the emotion that people end up responding with in the moment. People will either tell you if they like it, if they hate it, if they never want to see it again. And mm -hmm. it's their true emotion and feeling, which is something that I feel as if is difficult to uncover the first time when meeting somebody. But when showing somebody an artwork the first time when meeting them and telling them about what you do, I feel as if it definitely unlayers or unwraps this uh, facade that's normally put up as a wall and it usually introduces you to the person as themselves because you get this formal taste of what they may like or not like. 
that's such a cool way of looking at it. So it's almost like a litmus test of like who they are. Yeah, I, I guess we could say that. Um, it's <laughs> it's more of a sense of trying to um, gauge where personally we may relate in the art world. Mm. Um, because lots of people that I do meet tend to be within the art world or even speak with such as yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's more of seeing, well, if this is the style that's really in right now, such as, let's say, figurative... Uh, cartoonish works right now are really in so Mm -hmm. uber contemporary works where do you stand in that right you know how do you feel about it what's your impression on it and personally for myself i guess i would say that as somebody who criticizes art i like to hear what others say about works because it can show me more than what I may see on the focal point of just looking at it and understanding it and dissecting it and trying to read it myself. But somebody else's analyst may also impact my own thoughts. Yeah, I definitely think that, I mean, conversations, we've had so many good conversations. I mean, the reason we're having this conversation today is because we've had so many good conversations about art, about work, about what we value, what we appreciate, what we see like upcoming and, um, you know, what we're excited about. And I I do, um, I get really excited about my friend's work you know I mean there's something about being invested in a person and then seeing their creativity or or it happening vice versa you know being invested in someone's work and then learning that they're like the coolest nicest sweetest person I mean that's happened with so many people that I've had on the podcast which has been incredible being like wow feel really inspired by you and now I also know that you're a really sweet and kind individual or person. Um, so taking it back a little bit earlier, how did you first begin to view art? Like, do you remember a time in your childhood or young adulthood where your perspective began to shift? Like you started to see this as a skill or a passion? Okay. So I'll answer <laughs> your first question about when was the first time I was really introduced to art. Um, my mother very much liked music and was very in tune with different types and styles of music. So it wasn't very much like, oh, I listen to this one style or this one style. Mm-hmm. It was very much world music as a whole. Um, and music is what really brought me into understanding art and appreciating art. Because sometimes I feel as if when we say the word art, it it kind of isn't well-rounded in the sense of you know all the different arts Mm. background like you know visual arts or uh let's say ceramics or you know musical artists or even just uh performance art and so Mm -hmm. forth um so living in new york i can say that i guess i was exposed to art very early in life um a lot earlier than some of my comrades that i know who may have never stepped into a gallery or an a museum until the age of like 16 or so forth mm-hmm. but for myself I very much um was exposed to art very early on which encouraged me to embellish it and really like just you know you see a book that you like that has your favorite artist on it and you buy it and you're just kind of like okay well I like it um so I would say that's when I've been really interested in art for a long time but when I really started to notice that I wanted to focus on it I would say was fine art for specifically, I would say was when I was around 18. 
Okay. Um, when I really started to collect prints and noticed that these prints that I was collecting not only held value to me, but held value to others around me. Um, and what I mean by that is, is that when COVID 2020 ended up coming around, I was collecting for years, the museum ended up closing and there was no sense of work, which led me to hone in on the fact that I was still collecting art. Mm. I continued to purchase art and people that I knew or were reaching or was reaching out to and they were reaching out to me were inquiring about certain things that I may have posted such as art prints or originals and so forth asking me to purchase them um so when I first started collecting it was all always because of the love of collecting and even now it's still for the love of collecting but once I started to notice that these artworks held value to not only myself and then to other individuals in the world um I started to sell them. They yeah. were additions. They weren't originals. Um, and I actually can tell you a funny story of how I started collecting originals too, which all fall in part with this story. But I was selling prints and selling origin. I mean, selling prints to people and additioned works often um, and making quite a bit of money while doing that. Mm-hmm. So it ended up getting to a point where I started buying more edition stuff and I was like okay these are like the really cool edition things that I own <laughs> not like those other things that I owned um and I ended up reaching out to a pretty big collector that I knew of that we both like followed each other on Instagram or something like that I know that's yeah. so weird how that stuff happens yeah you know somebody <laughs> recommended me an artist the other day and I went to like look them up and we already followed each other you see it's it's one of those <laughs> things where you come around and you're like okay well we follow each other on Instagram I guess I might as well message you and New see York what is you're like interested the, in the biggest small town ever yeah exactly <laughs> especially when you've lived here your whole life yeah, like you have it is um Sometimes it's a little too small. Yeah. But <laughs> we'll get but, into that. <laughs> yeah. I can definitely say I love New York um with my whole heart and like I've traveled many other places but um Sorry, I but I've interrupted back. you. <laughs> no, of course. I understand. We were speaking on the collector that I reached out to. Right. So this collector that I reached out to lived in Chicago. And I reached out to him over Instagram and I showed him my collection and I was talking to him and he was like, oh yeah, like I'd love to see your collection. So I sent him photos and everything. I'm kind of Mm -hmm. like, okay, cool. And he responds saying, wow, you have a really nice collection. Like how old are you? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like 19, blah, blah, blah (laughs) at this point in time. And he goes and he says, have you ever collected any originals or do you have any originals in your collection? And this glass shattered for me where I noticed that originals were accessible Mm. um i feel as if when we walk into galleries and institutions from me having background of working in institutions everything's held behind glass uh when you go to galleries in chelsea on like a tuesday when i was in high school we used to go for fun and like you see the prices there but most of the time you know if a price is being shown it probably isn't worth your time or effort of trying to purchase it directly Mm -hmm. in the gallery um so i never really thought anything of it um but when this collector said this to me it really changed my perspective of how i collect um and shattered this glass like i said that brought me to selling all of my editions every single one of them to various collectors around the world and then 
from there moving to buying originals without money so (laughs) that's been i i had a really i think i've said this to you before and maybe i've even said this on the podcast but i had a really fun realization about a year year and a half ago and i've since added to my collection that all of my work is by people i know right which is so fun yeah it is um and people i know well and people like whose work i really advocate for and appreciate i mean um people that we've had on the podcast like day briere is up there and incredible haitian artist and um hosted her this um past weekend at one of my shows again and saw like a whole new run of her work um that sounds really i don't know it sounds you were really young. You yeah. still are very young. Yeah, I'm pretty young. Yeah. Um, so let's take it back to even earlier when you're you're early in this early age. You said you first connected through music and through your mother. Can you tell us a little bit about her? Yeah, my mother was an amazing woman. She was my rock for a very long time. She helped me a lot through understanding how to be a strong person in life. She was a Puerto Rican Irish woman um, who grew up in Harlem. Wow. So she grew up in Harlem. She lived her life there. And then we ended up moving to Park Slope a little later on in life when I was born. Do you have siblings? Yeah, yeah. I have one younger brother. Um, he also rock of my life at this <laughs> point in time. But my mother really taught me how to... I guess I would say maneuver spaces and understand your identity within them. I can really see that in just like the conversations we've had um, because I wouldn't have guessed how young you are. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, I'm, I'm 33 now um, and I love my thirties. Um, but the conversations we were having were like very like, Oh, well, what do you think about like this, this body of work kind of, you know, we're, we're really in it. And I think you told me like <laughs> after hanging out a couple of times, <laughs> you were like 24 and I was like, holy shit, <laughs> uh, which is exciting. I mean, it's really exciting to, to meet people with a strong sense of self. Mm. Um, so aging up, I know you said performing arts were a lot of your basis. Um, what did you enjoy about being more within creativity in that regard Uh, at a young age within the side of performing arts i felt as if for a long time it provided me with hmm, a sense of self Mm -hmm. a sense of knowing that you can act and be these things and not just be some guy who has to be always oh well i'm so strong and i'm always like you know oh well i have to fit in and all of these things it was one of those things that really let me know that you don't have to fit in in life when you're playing a role or you're singing you know there isn't really something that you're fitting into you're fitting into a character but nobody else in the audience fits into this story that you're telling um so i would say that you know it really gave me an understanding of I can be who I am right. um, and learn that. But, you know, if you want me to tell you the truth. Uh, <laughs> Always. <laughs> I, <laughs> I left the performing arts for a reason. Um, and that's just due to the fact of with formal vocal training and understanding like the outcome of what I could do in the performing arts. It was really one of those things where I felt as if, well, you know, people really have the options of becoming a songwriter becoming Mm. a teacher Mm. or 
you know, you become a chorus singer or something like that. But the main goal for everybody is to become some sort of intellectual or famous person that can have some sort of stardom um and that just wasn't for me so are you personally are you like do you see yourself more like the wizard of oz like the guy behind the curtain yeah vibe yeah i do i um it's actually very funny that you say that because when i speak with people very often they're like well kamara why don't they see your face why don't you put yourself in this stuff like why don't you um show more of you like i want to see you and it's Uh just one of those things where i always respond with the nature of it's not about me you know yes i'm the person who who's come to make this happen and has hoped to put this into fruition but at the end of the day like i'm focusing on others and giving my time and i guess practice and understanding and advice to others that it could actually help them because at the end of the day for myself I just, I'm just not a very selfish person. I just don't have much, I'm not going to get gratification from me being like, you know, me, this, me, me, yeah, yeah, me, yeah. me, me, like everybody's looking at me, oh, Kamar, when you walk in a room, like, I'm just kind of like, you know, I like to right. be able to walk around the room, check out the art, look at the art. Um, a little the, anonymity. Yeah, you know. I, I think somebody asked me, because I also have a background in performing arts, and um, while those were all super gratifying experiences similar to like what you feel i feel i felt a lot of confidence um i felt a lot of like good creativity and world building but it didn't end up actually being like my passion right and um i came to the realization throughout covid that my passion was giving space to other people and being there for other people it's like a very you said wholesome feeling. it is yeah <laughs> and i don't want to like i don't want to sound like oh like I do good work for other people, but like, that's what I like to do. Exactly. And I'm like, I fucking, I'm good at it. Yeah. You know? And like, let's fuck let's do it. So sim- similar vibes for both of us, but it's interesting because you have, and I mean this as a compliment, have really niched yourself in fine arts. Yes. Um, so I love hearing about your life and your work, and I'm super excited for our audience to hear that. But one of the main reasons I brought you on is because I want your input. I want you to to be a resource to my audience as well, which is a lot of artists. Um, so I have some kind of more like business side of the question of yeah. questions for the interview. So number one, you started a business. Yes. Congratulations Thank are you. due for sure. How have you married that business with kind of your initial collecting? I would say that with merging the two, lots of the people from my initial collection were artists that I have still not gotten in contact with. Maybe we've met every once in a while at a Mm -hmm. gallery show or so forth. But once I really started to collect originals and I started to notice that there was a market of artists that weren't being seen Mm -hmm. then it really started to connect a lot more i started to collect art from emerging artists okay artists that were unseen Mm -hmm. artists that weren't really having much support at that point in time were fairly in college um about to go into their mfa program or graduating Mm -hmm. from their mfa program um I looked at artworks that I liked um, and I started to collect them and put them into my collection. And 
I would say that when it came to founding my business, some of the artists very early on that we worked with were people that I have within my own collection. So kind of a, once again, bringing them into the fold. Yes. And that's exactly what I did with the podcast too. The whole first season is people who are like OGs in exactly. my apartment party series. So very similar vibes. And it's one of those things where in the arts, things move very fast. Someone is nobody and then there's somebody. Right. So right. can be nobody one day and next thing you know, they're selling works for astronomical numbers. But with that comes the fact of sometimes people aren't available. Sometimes people have other plans. Sometimes people aren't able to work with you, um, which is completely fine. Oh, yeah. So what I ended up doing was I really took the business into the aspect of focusing as a business. Um, I wouldn't say I've stopped collecting, but I've halted my collecting over a bit in time because I feel as if I've gotten to a place where I can look at my walls and say, yes, this is <laughs> what I've been working towards. But also because lots of the artists I speak with nowadays tend to be artists that I would have in my own collection. They tend to be artists that I would be watching myself. So I want to pause you. Who are you watching? Um, and can you drop names or are you scared to, or, or do you not want to? Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to say scared, but um, like. No, no, no. no who, I, who are you watching? Tell people. Um, so I'll give, okay. I'll give two artists. Okay. Right now. Exciting. I would say one, my number one all time favorite artist that I've always watched works and I saw her works in 2018 when I saw them on Instagram one time and I was just like oh my goodness these works are phenomenal <laughs> like I really want one and I tried to get one and times have passed uh, <laughs> but out of the old budget yeah um, <laughs> so I would say Anna Park is one artist Anna Park makes charcoal drawings that teeter between abstraction and figuration with imagery that hones in on the turbulent and frenzied contemporary experience. Beginning each canvas as an improvisational mark-making dance, Park composes scenes that are gestural snapshots of an overexposed and self-aware human condition. Pulling from her website, Park is from South Korea but spent her formative years in the U.S. state of Utah, an experience that has often positioned her on the outside, looking in. This early lesson in observing from a voyeur's distance permeates Park's works today with an interest and sharp eye for the deep, emotive range of the human subject. Park's first solo exhibition premiered in Tokyo in September 2021, and she also showed work in L.A. in 2022. I think her work is phenomenal. I think that her work will live for years and years on. I really see... uh, institutional value within her works i can see them being placed within ibm i believe it's called Mm -hmm. um or even just like huge institutions that people go to i can see them just in large spaces yes just uh glamorous um (laughs) another artist i would say right now that's on my watch list would be and she's been on my watch list for a few years is sarah lee okay she creates these beautiful figures that are almost liminal in a way, um, but sometimes they aren't, and they <laughs> reference, you know. That's such an art. art. <laughs> 
they're so liminal and sometimes they're not and sometimes they're not you know you just you just never know it's one of those things where one day it's something and sometimes it's just the completely opposite cool. but that's what i can really appreciate about yeah. artists is that they're versatile yeah they're able to combat you know their signature style which lots of we can get into the conversation of signature style in a second, but the signature style, which most of the people who are collectors tend to appreciate and enjoy. And then they also have their, you know, off style. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, sometimes people don't enjoy, but people tend to love it once they notice yeah, the value like behind it. Exactly. Yeah. Sarah Lee was born in 1988 in Seoul and is an artist now based in New York City. She received her BFA from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago in 2011 and her MFA from the same institution in 2017. Her work has been exhibited in various galleries across London, New York, Los Angeles, Milan, and Paris. She is currently showing at Albert Spenda in New York City. Um, so... Speaking to the business, um, speaking to our audience who are artists, um, uh, what are some mistakes that you see artists making? Oof. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> um, I see lots of artists that claim I'm an artist, mm. but don't take the time to create art. <laughs> <laughs> I totally they, understand what you're saying. It's it's just one of those things where I'm uh, slightly confused. I'm just kind of like, well, you know, you have to create art. Right. Um, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you're going through in life. I feel as if it's one of those things where if you're going through something, put that down. Put it down. Yeah, I know, um, 100%. As an artist... So consistency within their practice. Yes, consistency within their mm -hmm. practice is definitely needed. Um, another thing I would say is trusting. Like trusting people too early. Um, an artist trusting people too early. Yeah. I, yeah. There are lots of... Uh, and you can see on Gotham Art News, there's an article actually about a recent situation that's happened between a gallery owner and their Ooh. artist that's currently blowing up um and it's just one of those things where you really have to be careful with who you trust yeah i went to a talk actually recently at hunter and it was it was speaking mostly to their mfa grad like their their upcoming graduation class um about the business side of art and it was talking a lot about playing to your strengths if you are an excellent advocate for your own work great but some artists aren't. Right. And that's some, okay. And that's fine. Play to your strengths was one of the things that they really talked about. And um, have thorough contracts. Yes. So, and we talked about yep. this. I think the following week, it was like, we were like, oh my gosh, I, I know so many people who don't read the fine print. And I've totally been victim of that myself Same. and it only takes one really bad time yeah yeah it really does <laughs> to be like fuck i have to read this contract sorry <laughs> it's just like sheesh um there are lots of times like that with yeah. the arts um and i can say one thing is that art school isn't going to teach you the business side of it right you know 
that's the difficult part of it. Um, lots of people go to art school. Lots of artists come out of art school with amazing artworks, mm-hmm. but they automatically get tossed into this pool yeah. of sharks that are looking to make some sort of money off of them. And not everybody is a shark. You know, some people are people who really truly care about the artist and want to bring the artist into the space and place in which they should be in. Right. But there are lots of people who will try to take advantage of artists to get artworks. Uh, there are lots of collectors who would do that. There are lots of dealers who try to not let artists know how much their actual artwork sold for so mm. that they can end up taking more off the top. There's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of greed within commercial art. There's a lot of greed. And there's also this a lot of, I guess, a facade at a point in time. Mm. Lots of people don't know who their collectors are. Right. So they're automatically detached from the artwork once they give it up. There is no ever where so is this artwork? I feel like I don't know. It's feel like I feel like we're speaking kind of to two different levels of collect collection, which I think is good. Um, and it's it's a bummer that I don't know. I feel so personally connected to every single piece of my work, and that I wouldn't have it any other way. Right. And I honestly, um, I've worked large art shows before one we shall not name, but, um, (laughs) uh, you know, I've worked large shows where, yeah, the artist has no idea. Right. And the collector honestly has no idea because they've been brought in by the gallerist or, you know, whoever the gallery is working with. And there's just this, this is something you should like and you should buy instead of that personal connection to work. So once again, sorry, taking it back because I've interrupted you now again, um, more mistakes or, or things that artists should be wary of within the business side of things. Uh, yeah. What else should artists be wary of? You know, (laughs) it's, you know, I think you brought up a great conversation when you said contracts or something that people should really be wary of. Um, I think that, along with contracts, people should really, or artists should really pay attention to releasing additional works too early. Mm, So being protective of their own work. Right. If you are starting off and you're selling original artworks and you have a clientele that wants to buy original artworks, keep selling original artworks. As long as you can. As long as you can. Don't become Bob Ross, obviously. (laughs) Like don't, don't become Bob Ross and sell, you know, 50,000 paintings of your own because then you're over um, oversaturating your market but I would say you know keep your originals your prime source of income Mm -hmm. as a sense of displaying and making sure you're working with the right people put your originals out there Um, and once you get with a gallery that's truly treating you properly Mm -hmm. um limit the amount of artworks that you're going to put out because everybody's going to want one if you're the next top big artist but everybody doesn't deserve one um and i think the artists will truly understand that by the time they hit a point where maybe their works are worth something on the secondary is that the people who galleries choose to collect their works will hopefully hold them for an excess of five plus years and not sell them on the secondary because you want to survive as an artist also you don't want to just become some artist that's pumped and dumped and left on the side of the road yeah with two-year record sales and um 
what does a good contract look like for an artist like in your mind <laughs> uh i don't know i don't know if i have the answer for that one i think that every art this is what i can say i think every artist has their own accord right when it comes to a contract because not every artist wants to be you know seen as damien hurst or like let's say right. jeff coons like these high 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 selling artists mm-hmm. that have broken records some artists just want to be able to display their works survive and live their lives so i think that the contract really depends on what you want Mm. as an artist um i would say my answer to that is really make sure that what you're seeing in the contract is what you want um as a whole and try to think of your like what you want before you walk into that office, before you sit down with that gallery. Owner. Same way you would with a job interview. Right, exactly. Yeah. You have exactly. a figure in your head. Right. You Ex- go in. Yeah, exactly. You know, you have a figure, you try to examine what you think you can get for it and so forth. Um, but if there's anything that you truly want, like if you want to release edition works, I'm not saying it's bad to do it. Just say, hey, well, I want to release edition works and mm-hmm. so forth. Um because it really differentiates the type of artist you'll become later on, I believe. Yeah, I, I've definitely heard conversations about like being an artist that, you know, being seen as like a junior mm-hmm. and then, you know, kind of like a comeback kid or whatever mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, well, thank you so much for your perspective. Um, I really appreciate having you in the studio today and um, really excited to see what all happens. Um, with Gotham Arts News. I think you guys are onto something really exciting. And I want to just quote actually from your questionnaire, something you said about that, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. So I asked um, about your creative and career goals and it said to become the biggest art news outlet. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And says, says, honestly, we need to make art more accessible and stop gearing it towards the minority 1%. If we would proceed to grant access to everyone... Maybe the world would have better margins and shows would sell out easier. So I think that that kind of goes to what you were just saying about um, creating space for these people whose work we love. And I'm really excited to see you guys like grow and thrive. And um, I have just one more question for you. So on every season, we've had a thesis question and the thesis questions have sort of built upon each other and you're getting to answer our season four question for the very first time. So um, it's not a super complicated question, but I do think that it will be fun for you. What is next for arts? And that is every kind of art. What is next in New York city? What is next in New York city? And you can take that however you want. Oh God. I think, oof. What is next? <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna be honest. Sometimes I try not to do predictions because <laughs> I think, you know, I think predictions are they're far fetched. You know, right. they can either go well, they can go wrong. <laughs> um, but what I could say, truly, in my eyes right now, um, is that we're looking. I think in New York City, in the arts, we're looking for a reemergence of or an emergence of a new style of art. Mm. Um, I think right now, as we can see in the art market things are kind of bland. Right. Uh, things are not selling the way they used to a year or two years ago. 
Um, and that is causing people to either purchase works that are already standing right. and they already have their value or pass on works that they may have wanted a year ago that they just probably are saying, well, you know, the value doesn't seem as if it's there. Nobody else is bidding or wants these works. So no one's being like excited by work right yeah. now. I think, um, well, I think it's also the, uh, I think it has a bit to do with the economy mm-hmm. as well. But I do say that I think New York is looking for that next style of art to take it on its way. You know, you heard it here first. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's a great exit. <laughs> um, but that's amazing. Okay. No, I think you're right. And I hope it's someone we know. Yeah, I hope so too. I really hope so too. You know, um, it would be great to be able to say we're with the next. We're with artist. the next generation. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank it's a pleasure having, having you. Cheers. Cheers. AP Studio Files can be found on all streaming platforms. Follow us on Instagram at AP Studio BK and stay tuned to our Instagram and TikTok about upcoming parties, such as our November 19th apartment party hosted at Between Space. AP Studio Files is hosted and researched by Miller Pike with technical production by H. Conley, photography by Tucker W. Mitchell. Our mini episode co-host is Art Kapischke with music by Fab the Duo. AP Studio Files.